The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 230 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast alongside Craig Morgan. It's a little different. I'm trying to do it all up. Should we try again? Okay. And Jamie Eisner. We already had I'm Luke Lipinski. Here we go. You're listening to a show on 1.5 X. 1.5 X. Have you ever done that on your on your? Oh, I thought people you were do like, that. They'll sometimes yes. listen to podcasts at higher speeds than normal, so they can get through them. Well, when they listen or to books, books the last... sound like chipmunks. Yeah, they do. Interesting. <laughs> Jamie, do the do whole show like, in that uh, voice. I don't know, Jigglypuff. Ooh, should I? Uh, should we uh, tease that? Where are you going to put my? Uh, all right, so I accidentally Jamie can't use sentences today. Well, I can't use sentences unless it's the Jigglypuff song, which Craig brought up pre-show, and I may or may not have sung briefly into the mic uh, while Luke was recording. So that, that's going to show up at some point in, and really just ruin my life. I would recommend I you where. play that on like 10.5 didn't feel brief to me. No, it, it's mm-hmm. still lingering actually in my ears. Do you guys want to talk about any hockey and or trades? Should we yeah. just put have the whole thing any? off to the very end? Uh, there was that Penguins-Panthers trade I thought was huge. Oh, yeah. And I, I offered to talk about that, and Craig said... No. That was his response. He didn't even put any thought into it. Okay. Taylor Hall to the Coyotes. Game one assists on the game-winning goal. I don't want to read too much into one game. Uh, he clearly, in the first period, looked like a guy that was playing on no sleep and had just joined a team he hadn't <laughs> practiced with. But he's also faster than pretty much everybody. So he, it didn't More really speed for this matter. team, right? Yeah, I that's mean... Great. That's the 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 play to set up the game winning goal from Oliver Ekman Larson. Who I listened to our last podcast and we were saying who are we going to talk up so they go out and score? It was OEL. So I don't even know who we have to talk up. This even week. though he, as he in his own words said, I missed the net by four feet. He did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he did, and sometimes that's what you have to do. But the play from Hall to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've said this this year, and it's not even a knock on the roster the Coyotes have, but. Late in the game, I don't look and say, that guy's going to make something happen every night. Taylor Hall, I do. I agree. Cool. <laughs> this will be the shortest podcast we've ever done. Let's get to Jamie's singing. Yeah, no, no. no. I, I, look, it, it's the addition is obviously tremendous for the Curse for a number of reasons. They're, they're obvious on-ice reasons. They need a scorer. They need someone that can generate offense for them. He's got the speed to keep up with their top players. You saw that in a microcosm on that play to win the game. But... It also says a lot about where this franchise has progressed over the last few years, what it means to have new ownership uh, intel, what it means to be able to be able to spend to the top of the cap, and also the other moves that they have made with young players that they feel confident enough to go out and make a move for a player like Taylor Hall and say, you know what, we understand there's a chance that this is a one-and-done scenario. I, I would imagine they hope it's not, uh, but there's a chance this is a one-and-done scenario, and we have enough pieces here to make it worthwhile to do this right now. I just tweeted this a uh, couple stories. I'm going to be writing more on Taylor Hall this week as well, and including the, you know, the possibility of him staying beyond the rest of this season. How's that for a nice tease? Oh, foreshadowing. And you'll find it at The Athletic. The Athletic. There should be like an echo, yes. I like that, actually. <laughs> Nobody can echo. see Jamie do the little echo <laughs> hand know, gesture. A shame. Yeah. <laughs> also, Jamie is dressed like a mob boss from New Jersey today, and that needs to be pointed out early yeah, in the show. Yeah, I'm, like I'm looking for this guy named Taylor. Yeah, you got to talk <laughs> like that the rest of the day. What I would, uh, One thing I wanted to add to what Jamie was, we were talking about this actually outside the studio doors while we were waiting for Luke to arrive this morning, That's which is a common occurrence, actually. I feel like I was early, but okay. Okay. 
You were actually on time today. That was, you know, you walked in, I, I like think, right at 9 o'clock. 33 yeah. seconds early. Uh, so you, you have your Just keep, like, the world clock tells, app up on your phone? Or? It's, it's yes. telling seconds, yes. yes. And, That's and unusual. Hawaiian time, I was actually three hours and 33 seconds okay. early. Back to uh, my point on Taylor Hall. People have asked me, what do the Coyotes still need? And I, I think I, I don't think the Coyotes are, are done, assuming they stay in this position that they're in or somewhere in a playoff position. I think they're going to add another defenseman at some point. So I, I think you should look for that. But when you look at the needs of this team, the needs, aside from that, the one need they still have is a need they probably can't fill. And it's for a true number one franchise elite center. As much as I like the depth at center far more than years past, and it's not saying much. They don't have that guy. So how do you get that playmaking ability if you're not going to find that guy? Well, there there are rare wings around the league. Patrick Kane's another guy that comes to mind who can create off the wing. They can be they can fill that role. Taylor Hall is one of those guys. Dom Lashushin had a really good piece today at the Athletics. Got a number of other items in it as well. But he talks about what an elite play driver he is. So this could really help the Coyotes. Uh, the other story that I mentioned, by the way, which you should go. Reed is from Corey Masizek from, from New Jersey while he was still there. He wrote it a month ago. He went back to Calgary, uh, did a, an incredible backstory. I won't say anything more on that. I'll let, let you guys read that. But those are two stories worth reading on Taylor Hall today. Um, a, a couple things, and, and I'll, I'll start with this. The thing that stands out to most of me about the trade is, like, okay, Taylor Hall is, is the sort of elite player that Craig just described that the Coyotes really have never had. I mean, you're going back to the Keith Kachuk days. And I said this two weeks ago when the, the story started to come out that they may actually legitimately be going after him or have a legitimate shot at getting him, I should say. He has the potential to be the best Coyote ever. I don't think he can do that if he's only here for three months or four months or whatever. But if he does sign and he's here long term, he has at least the upside to be the best Coyote ever. But to me, it's it's more than it's more than what Taylor Hall does on the ice. It is the fact that the Coyotes are actually going for it and it's not the wrong time to go for it you know what i mean the west is open they've been patient the fans have been patient taylor hall's a great player he's number one overall pick he's won an mvp and it wasn't that long ago but also he fits exactly what the coyotes need and want you start talking about underlying analytics or the type of player rick talk at once i just like the fact that this is a team actually taking a step and going for it it's a calculated risk but also to me the players you gave up we're never going to mm. play here. And I think you that's... give up a first round pick and a third. If you don't resign him, that's what you lost. You lost a first and a third and three guys that I'm not saying are bad players, but they weren't going to play for the Coyotes. And I think that's important because we sometimes, and I've been guilty of this in other sports too, falling in love with prospects and falling yes. in love with the idea of what someone can be, especially when they're not elite prospects. I look at the guys that got moved here, and I think you've got two bottom six forwards at best yeah. and maybe a fourth defenseman. Yeah, that's that. That's I what agree. I see. Kevin Ball, you're talking about. Yes. I think number four defenseman is is ceiling, and yeah, those other guys are are depth guys, probably fourth line guys. Those you can find those pieces. They are probably have already been replaced. Yeah, I mean, so you could find those pieces. So, and we talked about we wouldn't we didn't anticipate we would have an issue with the cost to acquire Taylor yeah. Hall, and we talked about that a lot in the podcast. This last is week. less than I thought, though. Yes. Now, ideally, this turns into two ones if you're the Coyotes that you're able to not only resign Taylor Hall but win a playoff round or maybe playoff rounds, and then but even then. You know, then you have a long-term piece that you have for your team for two, two essentially late first-round picks. That's and that's an important piece too, because when you go looking at late first-round picks, mm-hmm. how often do teams miss entirely? It happens uh, a lot, more yeah. often than not. Yeah, don't look at the 2015 draft. Look and at any other draft. To underscore your point, I, I think all general manager or, or most general managers tend to overvalue prospects and picks. 
Yes. If it's a if it's a high first round pick, yeah, you want that you want that pick. You don't want to give yes. that away unless you're getting something really special for your franchise. Beyond that, I think they get overvalued far too much. And I don't I don't think it's out of the question that he signs here. I don't either, and I'm a little surprised that people a lot of people have already decided, oh, there's no way he's gonna resign. I I, I honestly, this is just my perception of it, knowing that the Coyotes do want to re-sign him, and I know he has said a thousand times he's open-minded to a, a lot of different things. I honestly think a lot of this hinges on how this works this year. If sure. he fits in and this team wins, I think they're going to re-sign him. There, you, you look at the Pacific Division, and particularly you talk about the West being wide open. I, I think St. Louis and Colorado are probably the West's two best teams right now, but in they Vegas. both play in the same division. Vegas is... They've been good lately, but they've had some issues this year. I, when I look at this division in particular, I think there's an opportunity to come out of this division, and that gets you to the conference final. Was it worth it then? Absolutely. Yeah. If you yes. can get that far. And I think the big advantage that the Coyotes have in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes is that obviously he's getting a chance to play with his line mates, play under coach Rick Tockett. Be in the city, uh, be in Phoenix. Yeah, it's not a see, trade see, deadline acquisition, right? Yeah. He, he gets a real taste of Arizona. Yeah, he's going to be. It's going to be several months of seeing. Okay, this is what it's like here. Versus every other team is going to be an unknown to some level. Now, somebody comes out and says, "Hey, we're going to pay you twelve and a half million dollars a year for seven years." He's going to go play for yeah, that team. That's still possible, but I don't. I, but the advantage that the Coyotes have is, especially if they start, if they keep winning and they win a playoff round or two. And he likes playing with his line mates. He fits into the system. He likes the lifestyle of living in Arizona. Mm-hmm. All of those things are a tremendous plus for the Coyotes because those are known commodities to him when he hits the free agent market, if he gets that far, where all these other teams, he's not going to know. Yeah, there are other factors out there as well when a player is considering where to play. Uh, you know, big markets, historical franchises like a Toronto or a Chicago, those those are a draw. So are great players if you yeah, get a chance to go play with great players. already, but yeah. That history is uh, pretty dated at this point. Well, okay, but Toronto's amazing history ended <laughs> yeah. in 1967. Yeah, but it's still that kind of market, right, where there's just, it's all you're about a super, the team. And you're so, a superstar. Yeah, you're a superstar marketing opportunities, so all that matters. Tax implications matter. Star players matter. But people tend to undervalue. I think they always undervalue lifestyle. What's it like living where I'm living? Well, the sun is shining here in as somebody who's been on several recent road trips, I can tell you it's the only place where the sun has been shining recently because I've seen nothing but gray skies and cold and rain everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, look, Including I, San Jose. I, I genuinely believe a lot of this is going to hinge on if they win, if they make the play. Taylor Hall's played in five playoff games in his whole life at the NHL level, and he's been in the league now for 10 years. It's not like he just joined the league. Um, but when I going back to the trade, I like that. Chica treats a first-round pick or a third-round pick or guys that maybe he doesn't have a use for but realizes they still have value to other teams like assets. And if you start to look through what he's done since he was he became GM, what he's done with first-round picks, he's turned them into Clayton Keller, Jacob Chikrin, uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who he ultimately traded basically for Phil Kessel because I don't even know where Alex Galchenyuk is. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. first, the other first-rounder that year he turned into Ranta and Stepan, um, Victor Soderstrom, and Barrett Hayton. I mean, that's what he's done in the first round so yeah. far. I'll take that. Yep. And so if the first round pick next year is Taylor Hall, I can live with that. Yeah. And I, again, going back to the prospects, I, these are just guys. He just gave up guys. Kevin Ball is an interesting guy to me because he brings a physical presence and he can move. He can skate. So that's that's a nice combination. So I think he's a guy who could play for a long time in this league. But again, number four defenseman, you can probably replace that. 
But I just, I'm, aside from the, the three guys that I wrote two weeks ago were untouchable, we knew those guys were off the table, Barrett Hayton, Victor Soderstrom, and Jan Yenik. I'm surprised that one of their goalies didn't go in this deal. I really thought Prozvatov might be a part of this and deal. And I would have done it. Wasn't. I yeah. still would have done it. If, yeah. you told, if, if Ray Shiro told me, yeah, this deal's done if you just throw in Prozvatov. Same thing. Everything else is the same. Hall's not signed, but if he gets signed, that third moves up to a second or first or whatever. I, yeah, I would have done that for sure. You've yeah. already got two goalies lined up for the next two years, and you have Aiden Hill, and you have a scouting staff or John Chica or whoever it is that can clearly identify another goalie if they need one. They didn't give up a top five prospect. They no. didn't give up a top Five prospect in this deal. That's amazing to me. They didn't hit, hurt their farm system, and also they didn't give up any pieces off the NHL roster, mm-hmm. which which he said all along. He said that two weeks ago wasn't going to happen. He yeah. wanted to keep it intact, but he did it. He did it. He executed it. And aside from what that does just for the strength and talent of your team, I do think it does something for the actual locker room, too, because those guys are in first place. It's not like you brought in Taylor Hall, but removed Connor Garland and Jordan right. Osterley. It was never going to be the trade, but I'm just throwing out two names. And Ranta. Yeah. <laughs> so does this put an end to the whole people saying Auntie Ranta is going to New Jersey? You just took New Jersey's best player and didn't trade them Auntie yeah. Ranta. Yeah, because if you're getting a, a number five defenseman, not a, probably a number seven defenseman, uh, you're not giving up Auntie Ranta to get him. So. No. Yeah, he's going to be with this team, I think, for the rest of the season. Unless we're getting Jack Hughes and P.K. Subban. Well, uh, I, yeah, I'd do that. <laughs> then, then at that point, that. P.K. Doesn't, doesn't do well in foot races with Michael Grabner, so. Nobody does. But True. doesn't have to anymore. True. Um, Here's a question for you, or it's, I guess okay. more of a trivia question, but I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm just going to tell you. Rick Nash is the last, what is it, it, the last number one overall forward to not reach 40 points in his rookie season, and that was 2003, and Jack Hughes is not on pace for it. He's on pace for like 33 or something, but that's just crazy that every, typically if you're the number one overall pick in the NHL draft, you're going you're gonna to deliver, and not like Hughes is bad, but he's just not, he's not on that uh, run right now in New Jersey. What did Nolan awful. Patrick finish with? Did he get? Did he get? I mean, he well, must he, have got above forty. He points. was second. He sure was first. Oh, that's right. And he sure hit fifty-two. That's right. That's right. Um, this is okay. This is actually a good question for Jamie Craig. You can jump in if you want, but I'm not going to compare him to a Pokemon. But what's the equivalent in other sports? Because people keep asking me. People that aren't huge hockey fans are like, okay, I'm excited about this. What's the baseball equivalent of of Taylor Hall? And I'm struggling with it. Oof. Like basketball, I've I've settled on Damian Lillard. But okay. Damian Lillard never won an MVP. So I would say Hall is a little bit of a bigger deal than Lillard. But Lillard's that sort of like talking a, a top 15 player. Uh, I'd, I'd say maybe Carlos Correa, a guy that spiked a couple years ago, had a, just a monster season. People thought he might have been MVP caliber. Has been good, has dealt with some injury issues over time, uh, is really expensive, but still somebody that you really want to add. I'd say okay. Carlos Correa would be an interesting where would you? Comp. It's funny because I thought of him. Where would you yeah. go? And baseball, I couldn't come up with one. That was the closest I came up with, and I didn't even say it. Football, I went with receivers because you can't really go quarterback because he's not a center. Yeah. So I ended up settling on like DeAndre Hopkins. I think Hopkins has been more consistent. I'd say more like Julio Jones. That was the other some, one. That would that would be more just because of the injury history and you know what the top end talent is, but you know that there have been some downtimes there too. Yeah. Craig, you want to give us any soccer analogies? No, I got nothing. No. Okay. okay. Um, why are people comparing this, and it's not a lot, but a few of them comparing this to what Columbus did last year, no going clue. all in? No clue. Because it doesn't make any because they don't understand how the carries are structured. I, <laughs> yeah, I, Fundamental misunderstanding of their contract I, situation. I, if this doesn't work and he leaves in the offseason, then the 2020 slash 21 Coyotes are what we have seen from this year's team up until three days ago. Yes. Yes. You, you're not. 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> he didn't sacrifice Chikrin and Schmaltz and Keller and Kemper. And, like, this is not all in and we're going to fall off a cliff next year. If it and doesn't the guys work. the thought in the system might make a push next year are still there. Yeah. That's the thing. Nothing changes. Yeah, I mean, still there. You don't have your first round pick. That's what changes. That's not that's going only, all in. And odds are that's going to be in the 20s. They weren't going to play for you next year or the next year after that anyway. So nothing changes. If it's supposed to be a poker analogy, this is like, I made a, a, an okay bet, but I have a ton of chips behind and I have pocket aces. What Columbus did last year is we're holding like 3-8 offsuit and we're going all in anyway. Yeah. And they How many want other analogies pot. can we make to non-hockey things in this show? I don't, uh, well, people keep asking that one. Yeah, I, I don't understand that one. I don't I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Does this do anything to the other teams in the Pacific now? Do you look around if you're... Sure, it becomes an arms race, doesn't okay. it? It's particularly, I think, well, I don't know what Edmonton can do at this point. They're, they're so hamstrung, and that's starting to show up. What do you think of them? They're slipping. They really they're are. Slipping. I, I really wanted, actually wanted to talk about the Pacific Division because it feels like there is a there are two divisions forming right now. If you... And it's it's still fairly early, so I don't want to fully commit to that yet. I don't really want to fully commit to anything. I like to hedge everything so that nobody can call me on anything. It's become obvious. Mm. Yeah. But there are four teams at the top of the division right now, Coyotes, of course, being in first place, Vegas, Edmonton, and Calgary, that have separated a little bit from the rest of the pack. It feels like the three California teams in particular are going to stay at the bottom of the division this year. San Jose has some... They have some fight in them. They have some good pieces, but they're just not getting it done. They don't have goaltending. No, they don't have goaltending. I just, I don't see it happening. They've given up 125 goals. You, you just can't sustain. You're not going to win games like that. So I think those three teams are. I hate to say it, but I, I don't think they're they're in contention at least for the division title. Maybe a wild card, but I, I'm I'm calling those three teams out of it. I don't I don't see it happening. I don't know what's going to happen with Vancouver yet. It feels like they've slipped a little bit. They've definitely fallen off the pace. I mean, they're eight points behind the Coyotes now. And then Edmonton, I did a little research. On November 26th, Edmonton was on top of the Western Conference at 16-7-3. November 26th, that's not that long ago, just over three weeks ago. Since then, they're 3-7-1. They have slipped to third in the division. Not far off of just falling out of the playoff race altogether. And with, with their issues, with their their goaltending issues, with their blue line issues, with their lack of forward depth, even though they added some guys that are doing nicely in roles like on the PK, I don't know. I it, that team. It, it feels like that team has to get tons from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. They have to have elite special teams all year just to have a chance. And I don't know if they can sustain the latter. Zach Cassian is their number three point producer. Yikes. That's really all I have to say about Edmonton. I, I still think the Oilers will make the playoffs. I hear what you're saying. They're technically only two points out of first still, but they just don't look right right now. And it's and like you said, now it's been going for almost a month. Mm-hmm. Calgary's clearly a better team. I think Calgary will catch them. I do think Edmonton could be a wild card team, though, this year. The team I'm most worried about from the Coyotes' perspective is Vegas. I've been most worried about them all yeah. year. I think I, I picked them to go to the Cup at the start of the year. So did I, yep. Uh, I don't think San Jose's done. Just because if if the Coyotes don't beat them, all of a sudden San Jose's only six points back of the Coyotes. I mean, that that game could have swung so much. Mm -hmm. But I just think they're too talented to be done. But it wouldn't shock me if they missed the playoffs. I mean, they're not done, but I would not project them to be a playoff team at this point. 125 goals against. And you got to jump a lot of teams, too, right? I mean, that's the thing. You're already sixth in this division. 
that's to even have a chance, you got to jump at least one team and have no wild cards come out of the Central, where it sure looks like St. Louis, Colorado, and Winnipeg are going to make it. I would assume Dallas or Nashville can find a way in. So I just San Jose doesn't feel like a team that can go on the kind of run. I mean, they did earlier this season, but I, I can't imagine them replicating that. And they had they had that kind of run, and they're still where they are. They just have a lot of issues, and I know it's still early, but when you get to this point in the season, making up like a ten point deficit, yeah. It just doesn't happen very often. It, it's really rare. You, you need that eight, ten game win streak. Like yeah. you need something like that that really They've puts you back. Had in it. There. That's my point. They've already had it. Are they really going to have two of those in no, a season? I, I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they have enough yeah. talent to. Uh, the other thing, the last thing on the hall trade, just being there on Saturday in the press box. How how weird was that? Like Taylor, because they're just by the simple randomness that they were playing New Jersey, and Taylor Hall is sitting at the end of the press box by himself, like completely isolated from the world, watching. Not so isolated though, with how loudly he was talking into his cell phone. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> loud enough for everybody to loud hear. enough for me to hear. Um, <laughs> that was the entire lead of my story. That yeah, day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't he wasn't hiding it. But the other thing is, like, he didn't know where he was going. I just couldn't help but thinking, like, if you're in his shoes watching that game, who are you rooting for? Because you know you're not going back to New Jersey. And at the time, you know, you could have gone to St. Louis or Colorado. There was a lot of talk that night because Florida's minor league team benched a couple guys. He was going to Florida. But it was just weird to see it play out in real time. And then you see Chica walk down the hall and you see Ray Shira wasn't in the booth next to me. Usually I sit right next to the opposing GM. He wasn't there. Um, yeah. But yeah. everybody's there were, walking there were around. reports. I mean, the, uh, the, the New Jersey writers were told that Brayshire was back in New Jersey. Yeah, I was told mm, he's out west. That's that's as vague. That was how vague it was. He's out west, though. West Jersey. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it was just it was surreal. Yeah, just because weird. Everybody in the hockey world's talking about three or four different people. They're all in the press box, not speaking to each other. And if you're watching the game, if you're Hall, you're like, I probably don't want New Jersey to win because I know I'll never play for them again. But that's where everybody you know is. The game in San Jose was weird too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> about oh, sure. His arrival and everything. <laughs> And that, I don't know if you guys have been up in that press box, but when you, it was an afterthought. It was like, oh, we need a press box. So you got to climb up a stairway to get to it from the elevator. You get to the top floor, then you got to climb up a long stairway that you feel like, can I get locked in here? Am I going to stay in here forever? They'll just find my skeleton at some point. But you get up to the press box, you're looking down through beams. Literally from my seat, I could see one beam that was cutting off part of this zone to the left. There's a cross beam, a huge I beam that's cutting off a good portion of the other zone. Sitting right to my left was Sean Burke, who was scouting that night. And his seat, he's looking, he literally could not see one zone. It was blocked by the beams. He's like, I got to move. I got to go down to the other end because this is crazy. He's, he's trying to file a report and he can't see one zone. Well, I mean, some players only play in one zone, so maybe that's the player you should scout in San Jose. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's go around the rest of the league here, unless you guys have anything else on Hall. We're going to get a bunch of questions about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, Colorado. Is on a tear. And still not in first, actually. I believe St. Louis is in yes, first. Yeah, they got a couple games in hand, don't they? Yeah, so St. Louis has three more points, but two more games played. But Colorado's 8-1-1 one, and one in their last uh, mm-hmm. ten games now. That's a scary team. Second best Imagine this team with Taylor Hall. Oof. Mm. I, they were also in the mix. I'm surprised they couldn't find a way to beat that deal Ditto. and get him. Ditto. I really am. Yeah. Kudos I, I am to John Chica. Kudos to John Chica. Yep, I agree. I mean, if Colorado gets Taylor Hall... Good luck. Who's not picking them to come out of the West? Yeah. Jamie. Um, True. Yeah. But also, I mean, why do you hate all things Colorado? <laughs> I, yeah, that's just me. No, look, look, I'm going to end up being you wrong. Hate the Colorado. Rocky Mountains. I mean, I actually, I've never been to Colorado. Do you hate legalized exactly. marijuana? He hates the he hates the state so much he won't even go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. No, I don't. I don't, I just hate them. No. Do you but, hate Boulder? Boulder's a cool place. 
I can't see Jamie rock? fitting in in no. Boulder. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jamie you know, would be I cast think he could out. Do that vibe, really? I think Jamie even with this, this tracksuit, uh, he might not wear the tracksuit. He has options. Okay. Yeah. All right. Jamie can blend in different crowds. It's the one state where he doesn't have any wives, so it's he hates the state. Uh, well, see, it's true. Good yeah. options Ooh, in Boulder, so just Sanctuary saying. state, got it. <laughs> Should be your favorite state. <laughs> that's why he plays up how much he hates it, because that's where he can go hide if he needs yeah. to some time. Okay. Um, nah, I totally forgot what I was going to no, say. No, but I, I, too, am surprised that they, they couldn't beat that offer for Taylor Hall. They still like, had time. The roster yeah. freeze wasn't and, until today. And, and look, if you're Colorado, this is your window. Right, you're playing extremely well. The moves you made in the off season are paying off extremely well. I did not expect that to happen Who to the they extent they have. Well, that I mean, that's I mean, that's damning with faint praise. I mean, I don't know if beating the Blackhawks is anything to it really isn't ring a bell about anymore. Days, yeah. But thirteen, sixteen, and six. Uh, you got you got the space. Like I don't, I don't. There's not going to be a better player on the market at the deadline. Like I'm a little surprised they couldn't get this done. That's that's the thing, and I know we talked a lot on the show about Chaika not being a GM that will trade typically for a rental. I applaud the fact that he made the exception in this case, although they may still keep him, but made the exception because a guy like Taylor Hall really shouldn't be available on a trade. That that means something went really wrong where he was. And like typically if a guy like that is available, it's because the team is so bad, which means on some level he's been struggling. He hasn't. He has not been struggling. He won MVP a year ago, and he hasn't been amazing this year, but he still has more points than anybody on the Coyotes, and he's played five less games. And I think it's also important to know that even for a rental, getting these extra two, two and a half months versus what the trade deadline would be is huge. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a bigger impact on your chance to not only make the playoffs, but where you seed, maybe win the division than he would have if he comes in at the end of February. You got a better chance to sell him on Arizona with the boards around and the sunshine and And all that stuff. You have that buffer too of if it takes a couple weeks for him to get to fit in with his teammates, which, by the way, i got to say, it's just words, but he has said all the right things so far. He's mm-hmm. not coming in like, yeah, I'm the best player here, and I know it. It's I just want to fit in on a team that's already in first place. Unbelievable quote, by the way. And I knew this already because I did a story on him two years ago mm-hmm. for FanRag. He did. In fact, oh, wow. Go check one-on-one it out. with Taylor Hall, and he was unbelievable in that interview. And since then, I mean, this just underscored it to me. He's articulate. He's thoughtful. He's self-aware of the cliches that mm-hmm. come out of players' mouths all the time. It's great stuff. And I think that that's a key point, too. He is very, very self-aware yeah. and very understanding of the situation. He's not, he, he knows the situation. He knows what his skills are. He know, like, he's not going to be someone that has unreasonable expectations or an unreasonable amount of arrogance or someone that's going to run people the wrong way in the locker room. Like he's, I cannot imagine him not being a tremendous fit. Tockett likes those players that self-assess. I was talking to him the other day and he talked about how Nick Schmaltz is one of those guys that will self-assess his game and be like, yeah, you know what, I'm not, I'm actually, I don't deserve the extra minutes. I'm not playing that well right now. Um, but to to make this trade this early and, and you know, that, it was going to happen. If Hall was getting traded, it was going to be this week regardless of where he went. But to do that, yeah, we've seen in the past, you trade for a really good guy at the end of February and he starts to get going as the season ends. Now, even if Hall struggles for a couple of weeks, which it doesn't look like he's going to, but even if he does, okay, then it's the middle of January. I want to see how this works with Kessel, too. Uh, Phil Kessel, to be honest, in San Jose had, a, I thought, an awful game. He yeah. didn't look good at all. So you could really... Really use someone who could jumpstart him. He's the type of player who could because of the way he drives play, the, the playmaking skills, all that stuff. I, I hope he can get Phil Kessel going because it would be really interesting to see those two guys play together. Um, I'll do one of the questions. This is from Adam Olshansky who wrote it. I thought it was a good one, but it's, it's appropriate for right now. 
At the beginning of the season, we were told to temper expectations for Kessel. Should the same be said for Hall? And is it possible for any offensive star to have success in Tockett's system? Does Hall make the Coyotes a possible cup contender? At the beginning of the season, we yes. all sort of said, hey, pump the brakes a little bit on Kessel if you're expecting a 40-goal guy or whatever. Uh, I don't think you have to temper expectations for Hall. Well, and I don't. here's the difference, though. When you sign a player or trade for a player in the offseason, the easy thing everybody does is make point projections. Oh, he's going to score this many goals, this many points. It's a little bit different when you trade midseason. So I don't know what expectations are from the Coyotes fan base for Taylor Hall. If it's that he's going to be at a 90-point pace for the rest of the season, then yes, you absolutely need to temper your expectations. Well, yeah. If you think he's a player that can, you know, flirt with... A 70, 75 point pace for the rest of the year? I don't think that's unreasonable to ask. So it just depends on where that bar is. Because he's going to get the minutes. He's skilled enough. They need him to take on that role. They need him to generate offense. Look, and, and I, I I hear this a lot from fans. It's Tockett's system. It's Tockett's system. Most teams play very similar systems. This is not unusual what they do. Yes, are they a little more defensive-minded? Yes, because they have to be, because of the personnel. Personnel will dictate the way you will play. But when you get a player like this, he's going to get more freedom. Just like Dave Tippett gave yeah. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl more freedom in Edmonton. Dave Tippett didn't do that here because he didn't have players of that ilk. That's how it works. Talkett said yesterday, he said it a couple times, we're not going to expect Taylor Hall to change to what we're doing here. We're going to let him do his thing and adjust to him. Yeah. Yes. It, which it, it's obvious. I mean, that's a challenge. That's a fine line because you don't want to tell the other players that have been here and have gotten you to first place you've got to change your game. But it's it's not changing your game in a bad way. No. And, and again, it goes back to not trading away pieces from your NHL team. You didn't move pieces out and get Taylor Hall. You just added Taylor Hall to the first place Coyotes. Exactly. That's all you did. And the reality is, if your system doesn't work for Taylor Hall, you have to find a different system. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't work true. a player of that skill level <laughs> and someone that's that self aware and that hardworking, if if he can't fit in your system. And it's not a personality issue. You've got to figure out what's wrong with your system. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. But to Craig's point, you temper your expectations because there is not a number one center on the roster that is feeding Taylor Hall the puck. It's going to be, whether it's Dvorak or whether it's Schmaltz or whatever, whoever might be on the center on that line that he is on, he doesn't have an elite player feeding him the puck consistently. And that is where you temper expectations. That is why he's not going to operate at a 90-point pace. That is why I made the point projections things we talked about on the show last week about being concerned about how much money you would pay him over six or seven years because he's not going to be a 90-point guy as the Coyotes are currently constructed. And that's not so much the system as it is who is getting him the puck, not only on the power play, but even strength. Like, that is going to limit his point total somewhat. Doesn't mean he can't have a ton of success. Doesn't mean he can't be a point-per-game player. But your upside is capped when you don't have an elite player on that line feeding you the puck from the center from center ice. Do you think, Dave Tippett thinks sometimes, what would it be like if Taylor Hall were here and I had him playing with Connor McDavid? Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing McDavid thinks that, and I'm guessing oh. Taylor Hall thinks it, honestly. Yeah. How many goals would this guy be scoring? Because Hall, in his career, and this is what? This is year, this is year 11. No, this is year 10. He's never had an elite center other than one season with Connor McDavid. Yeah. It's not like he ever had elite centers with Edmonton. The year in New Jersey where he won the MVP, we talked about it that year. We, I mean, he won MVP that year because he had an excellent season, but he also won it because nobody else on his team was doing anything. Yeah, the point gap between him and the next closest yeah, devil I mean, was insane. It was 41 points. I mean, that's... I mean, like, what is he about? Like, Zajac, Nugent Hopkins... Yeah, I mean, I mean, like those are the, those are the best players aside from the one year with McDavid that he's been playing with, and and, and the Coyotes have play, players better than that right now at center. But yeah. 
Again, there's still a difference between if you're getting a McDavid or a McKinnon or a Patrice Bergeron or somebody right, like that right, right. feeding him the puck, then all of a sudden that, that point total jumps 20%. Outside like, of uh, Nick Schmaltz, who do they have that can make elite plays? And Nick Schmaltz doesn't do it consistently. Who do they have that can make those types of plays? They they don't have anybody else. But yeah, their centers are pretty similar when you look at guys like Dvorak and Stepan and Soderberg. Yeah. But that's why I want to see, and you know this. I mean, if you've, if you've played hockey, you know sometimes sometimes the fit isn't exactly where you would expect it to come. Like it might be with Christian Dvorak, or it could be with a guy even like Soderberg if he was at center, where it's not a skill guy, but just the way the line comes together. Well, and part of it with Dvorak too is the way he plays down low defensively. Yeah. right. You got to have that responsible guy. So. so you give Hall freedom to do his yeah. thing, and and depending who the other winger is, I mean, they went with Castle Dvorak and Hall the other night. I'm not going to read too much into that game because, like I said, Hall had never even practiced with yeah. the team, but. It, it's just just because you don't have McDavid doesn't mean that he can't find somebody on this team that he works really well with, and because all the centers are similar, they can kind of interchange and mix and match until they find the right guy. Yeah. Um, any other news around the NHL you want to get into? Well, you had a few notes on here. I mean, the Andrei Svechnikov lacrosse goals are just ridiculous. How, how many? Do have, you think more guys are going to start practicing that? I think they're going to outlaw them. Honestly, <laughs> I do. I, I don't know how you outlaw it in play. I think they're going like to try to. In regular play. Not like the shootout, but like in regular play. I think that they're going to take the path of what happens if you hit the goalie in the head with the stick. And I think they're going to try and go down that path. And you can do that with a follow-through on a shot. I, I can hit the goalie in the head with a puck. I completely agree, and they shouldn't. But I guarantee you, at some point, some goalie is going to get so frustrated because he got shown up. That last one that he Oof. scored, it was against Winnipeg, wasn't it, this week? The goalie was like looking up and down and under the ice and everywhere except yeah. in the back of the net because obviously there wasn't a shot and it was in. So if you're going to outlaw that, then I also want to see fines for every player that breaks his stick over the crossbar when they let a goal in. I, because I you know what? Because we actually saw an instance of a goalie getting hit in the head. Hello, Keith Ballard. Badly. Uh, what goal, was that, Vokun? Yeah, it was Thomas Vokun. Um, so if we're, if we're going to pretend that, that we're going to play that, which by, I don't understand why they would legislate any offense out of their game right now. I don't either. The, things have broken very well for them. Yes, I don't know if they've juiced the pucks like MLB has, but things have broken really well for them the last couple of years with a lot of young stars and scoring being way up. This things have broken in such a in the NHL's favor so much so that doing anything to legislate offense away from the game is just would be the NHList move of all time. They, well, but they were talking about it after his first one a couple of weeks ago, and that's the only reason I even bring it up. Um, but the reality is, how many how many lacrosse goals do you remember at the NHL level? I know there was the guy at Michigan. I know Crosby did it in junior. I only remember two, and they've both happened in the last month and a half, and they're both Sveshnikov. Yeah. So just let it happen. There's going to be yeah, one more great. in the next yeah. five years. It's not easy to do. That's the other point here. It's not like everybody's going to ah, I'm just going to do this every time behind yeah. the net. No, it's not easy to do. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he did it in like a 2-2 game, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you botch that and Rod Brindamore is your coach, you're going to get chased off the ice with a stick. Um, Toronto and Tampa aren't really doing anything amazing yet. And yet they have closed the gap on Buffalo and Montreal. Because yeah, they're both frauds. Yes. Agreed. Buffalo and Montreal. B- Buffalo, well, is, Mon- Buffalo is better than I thought they were. And yes. I, they deserve some credit for turning things around a little bit and being a better team. They're not a playoff team, but they are definitely better than I thought they were. They're among the middle class of the East instead of one of the bottom feeders. Jamie's version of credit is you're a fraud, but not that much of I a fraud. I think Buffalo could possibly be a wild card team. I don't, I don't believe in Montreal at all. Yeah, Montreal just... Because to me, look, I'm looking at, I, I mean, I could see the playoff structure staying the same and then two of Toronto, Tampa Bay, Florida, knocking those two teams out. Like, I just, I just don't think Buffalo or Montreal is better than 
Pittsburgh, Philly, Toronto, Tampa, or Florida. Like I just I can't make that argument. Well, I definitely think Toronto and Tampa is going to be the two three matchup in the Atlantic. Whatever, whoever gets home ice, whatever. I don't even know if it really matters that much because if Toronto has home ice, that means a lot of pressure in Game Seven. Well, that also means that one of these teams can't choke. That's true. First round. That's so, true. So who benefits more? By, well, one Toronto them, benefits more by not playing Boston. Yes, but I'm saying like one of them will definitely get through. So which team, once they finally get out of the first round, is the dangerous one? I think Tampa. Really? I, I think Tampa's scary if they finally get it together here because they have so much talent on that roster. I know. They have so much experience and talent on that roster. I do think they're better, but I think Toronto has struggled so long just to win a playoff series that if they get out of the first round, they could that, go on a, that could go run. On a run. Yeah, but, like all the way. But then they run immediately into Boston. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we see it But do you psych lot. yourself out? I think at that point it just feels different. It's not Boston in the first round. It's we've already won a series. Right. How long does the celebration yeah. last before you're like, ah? But look, crap. if we know anything Boston. about how if we know anything about how sports work, Toronto's not going to win a cup until, until they, they beat Boston, Boston along yeah. the way. Yep. That's just the rules of sports. I didn't make them up. Who, just the rules. Boston had to go through the Yankees down 3-0. Yep. Who did the, the Cubs had to go through the Cardinals down quite a bit, right? Wasn't it three one? I don't even remember. I feel like the year they won, they had to go through the Cardinals, and they were—I thought they were down three-one. They might have. I don't remember. Um, but either way, yeah. No, I, mean, I had to Washington, go through the Pistons. The Capitals had to go through the Penguins. It's true. I mean, like all yeah. these things. I mean, this is just tends to be how sports work. If you are a team that has been trying to get through one specific wall for a long time, when you get through that is typically when you go on your deep run because the pressure's off, and I would imagine your confidence is higher than uh, than it's ever been. Um, Detroit's terrible. Just wanted to throw that in there. I have not seen a team this yes. bad in a long time. Yeah, really they, they did get one win the other night, so that was nice of them. They won two in a row. I know. Um, and then that was the end <laughs> of the game. Speaking of goals against, they give about 141 goals. They're terrible. <laughs> 141 goals. If, if you look at goal, goal differential in the NHL, yep. like most teams, Colorado's plus 31. I believe that's the best. But typically, like the good teams even are like plus 10, plus 15. Um, and then the ones that are negative, like Detroit's minus 62. I know. The next closest is New Jersey at 36. I think they have two eight-plus game pointless streaks this season. <laughs> and as Oof. we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, most of their losses are by three or four goals. Yep. They're not. Uh, th- that's, that's been the thing I've been writing about a lot in the betting. It's like, well, you know, take the, take the puck line on whoever they're playing because they just get blown out always. Also, we saw this And Mantha's again. back and they're still getting blown out. Yeah. We saw this again this uh, this past week. The Coyotes lose at home to a team that's not very good, and then they go out and win on the road. Coyotes have to they have to start playing better at home. about it this week. They can't they can't do this, yeah. this again for the whatever feels like seventh year in a row. Yeah, they're just I don't they, I don't know what it is. You, do you remember uh, a few years back with the Cardinals when Ken Wisenhunt, I believe, had the team like get in, go to the airport at Sky Harbor and then f- pretend yeah. like fly <laughs> back into Sky Harbor for a home game? Yeah. I think this was even these pre Super Bowl year. Like I feel like what, what do they have to do? Like there's there's got this weird mental block that they're having at home. Here are their uh, home records over the they're eight eight and one at home right now. Last season they were twenty seventeen and four, and they had to go on a pretty good run near the end of the season to get over five hundred. Even though they they slipped right at the end. Yeah. But they were twenty seventeen and four, so which means they lost more games than they won at home last season. The year before, sixteen twenty one and four. Two thousand sixteen seventeen, eighteen eighteen and five. 
They just haven't been good on home ice. You got to sort that out. You want to be an elite team. You want to be a team that mm-hmm. can make a playoff run. You better figure out home ice. That's I, what's missing right now. That, that's what I was going to say. That's what's really no missing. Talk to, you talk to everyone, and they, yeah, there isn't. Some people think, oh, it's bad ice. Well, both teams play on that bad ice, and there's bad ice all around the league. And you should be more used to the bad ice than the team that's coming in to play exactly. you twice a year. It's oh, it's bad. it's the uh, the home distractions. Every team has a better home record than a road record, so obviously those distractions don't matter. The sunshine? Yeah, like, I, I don't know what that is. The crowds. Oh, it's the crowds. You know what? I've I've been on the road a lot this season. There have been a lot of suspect crowds around the NHL this year, and I yeah. don't think it's just because the Coyotes are in town. I haven't thought the Coyotes' home crowds this year have been that bad. Honestly, no, really, the last two attendance years. is up. Yeah, and, and I just I never there was there was a stretch five years ago when you're looking around saying, "Wow, this this uh, this building's pretty empty tonight." I just I haven't felt that way in two years. There's there's been nights this year where the Suns were hosting the LeBron and the Lakers down the street, and the Coyotes are playing not a team that really draws, and they're still getting a decent crowd. They're fine crowd wise. Here's what I would say about this thing. And look, the schedule has certainly played a role. I can name a few games: Montreal, Columbus, San Jose, Calgary. All games where the schedule was a factor when they came home and they were tired and and they've all mentioned that and look if if they win that game against new jersey are we even talking about this does does could one game if, if yeah. they won two straight are we still talking about it, it might have changed the perspective on it if they won two straight after that calgary loss okay they've got this thing sorted out and that's pretty much what john chica said you have to be careful not to chase narratives that maybe don't exist. We've we've looked deeper at the numbers. There are some things we're not doing as well on home ice. There are some things we're doing better on home ice. We definitely have to get it figured out. We definitely have to win more, but you don't want to put too much stock in in that just yet. I mean, maybe, but this has been a multi year problem, right? But and I understand in past that, years they weren't very good. True, so. <laughs> but still they, they were. But still, like at this point, when when you have such a disparity, it, it's again. I'm not saying that there's something to be read into it. It's just saying results. At some point, it's results of results based business, and the results haven't been what they needed to be. And it's figuring out, okay, is there something? Is it just bad luck? Yeah. Is it bad scheduling luck? Is it just bad puck luck? Schedule's We've been actually been playing well, and it just haven't. It hasn't just bared out yet in our info. When we get to the end of the season with the, with the big 41-game sample size, it will. But it's still worth discussing and looking yes. into just in case there might be something that is factoring into it. And I think all three of us would agree that their worst losses this season have all come at home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, that's... It's only 17 games at home if you if you factor out all the previous years. If you don't carry the narrative over from previous years, where, as Craig just said, they weren't that good a lot of those years. If you just look at this year, 17 games where you're right at 500, okay, it is a small sample size. The only reasons that I give it a little more credence are, A, they've lost, what, seven total games on the road this year. And they've all been by one goal. With the two games, they've lost by two, but both of them were because there was an empty netter in the last 15 seconds. So any game they've lost on the road this year, out of 19 games, has been a one-goal loss, basically. And they've won 12 of the 19 games. So there's just such a discrepancy. But the other reason I, I'm at least paying attention to it is Rick Tockett seems to be paying attention to yeah. it. And he has sort of referenced the four or five guys don't seem fully engaged at home or they seem distracted. And I don't know if certain guys have certain things going on off the ice that are distracting them or whatever. He didn't say that. I'm just inferring that part. But you you notice when you watch, it's like on the road, they are 100% locked in and one of the very best teams in the NHL when they're on the road. Brad Richardson said that too. On the road, we play a very structured team game and we're happy to play that way. Very simple at home. And And this is the part where you don't know. At home, maybe we're trying to make that one extra pass. We're where it's better to play the other style of game. I don't even know if that's the case, but 
maybe maybe they just are locked in on the road. It's easier to lock in on what they need to do when they're on the road. Yeah, they, they, yeah, maybe they need to just transfer some of that. I don't know. It, it's not an easy answer, but they got to get it sorted out like yeah. right now. And by the way, the team coming in tonight is a team that they they owe some payback. They've lost to the Minnesota Wild twice this season. They need to beat this team. Yeah. Um, if you want to really drive home the point that you are better now than you were a week ago because you added Taylor Hall, beat the one team that's had your number this year and a team that really shouldn't have your number. No, they've been bad on the road this year. They've lost two in a row coming in. Like this is this is a game you got to win. Like the, and this is goes back to the narrative we talked about earlier in the year where I think got overblown a little bit, but there were enough instances where I understood why I was asked, which is why do the Coyotes play down? To these bad opponents, why why are they losing so much as favorites in these games? Uh, but these are the teams that again you want to be more than just oh we're happy to get in the postseason. These are the games that good teams in the league, the the top ten teams in the league. These are the games they win. Yeah, and maybe this is part of the learning process too. I don't know. They're still young, but yeah, you need to you need to figure this out. You need to be a good home team. I will say the Coyotes have finally found a way to make a Minnesota game interesting. And that is trade for one of the best players in the league and have it be his first home game. This is the most excited I've ever been for a wild game, I think, ever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It took a lot. Uh, Do we want to talk at all about Mark Crawford? Do we want to get into that? Or do we just want to hit listener questions because we have 730? I think I'm just... Crawford it out? I'm just... The whole issue, I'm just tired of talking about it. I'm fine I'm not sure I agree with their decision here, but, you know... I don't agree with much that Stan Bowman does these days. <laughs> uh, Nikita Kucherov, by the way, getting benched by John Cooper. Asked if he learned something from it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going well. Um, but that's a bold move by a coach who, yep. if Tampa doesn't get out of the first round this year, I think probably will get yes. fired. Look, nobody on that Lightning team deserves anything right now. The way no. they've played the last... How much talent do they have? The way they've played to start this year and the way that last year ended. Um, okay, listener questions. I'm going to try and rattle through these. Okay. Kyle first. No question. We got Hall. And then there's a dancing guy. Murdoch, favorite Christmas or holiday song? Ugh. Mm. How do you feel about Christmas or holiday music? Oh, I love holiday music. I listen to it all the time. You're looking at me like you're just disgusted with me. No, now. I actually I like... I like it. leave the room now. No. Okay. I, I used to work at an ice skating rink teaching hockey skating, and... There was too much of it because there was figure skating obviously going on there too. So people would practice the same songs over and over again with their programs. And at that point, if I was ever going to be broken of Christmas music, that would have been it. I'm not. I like it. Okay. Well, hmm, favorite song, Jamie. I don't know if you're on board with this thing. Uh, don't hey. like. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I'm not a holiday music guy. Hulk Hogan doesn't have any songs. That was no. your favorite holiday movie was like Hulk Hogan's Oh, something. Santa with Muscles. Yeah. That was a joke. I haven't actually seen that. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's my bit. Oh, okay. Um, all right, here's my McQu- favorite song. No. Jingle Bell Rock maybe. No, no, there's there's a couple I don't like, but generally I just like to have it on in the background. Not that I would turn it on, but I just like if I'm at a store and it's on. Like, uh, I just like that feel. Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. Oh, good song. That'd that's, be the only that's, one. That's not a Christmas song. That's a holiday song. Well, he sings about the uh, Seattle Supersonics. For so like I grew up, my family listened to Andy Williams. So I'm a big Andy Williams fan. So if you want me to play Happy Holidays, the Christmas song, I, I will right now. I'd but, rather you sing okay. it yeah. for That's us. That's probably not going to happen, especially after listening to Jamie's Jigglypuff song. Uh, this is from McQuinnon, who usually 
right over that. Yeah. Because I, I don't know when in the show this is happening. I'm just going to play all. it at the very end. It seems end. like the oh. perfect place right there. Yeah, that would be a good place. Yeah. But, you know. That also makes Luke's job harder, so I'm off for that. Yeah. Well, I could just mark down the time and just insert it, but I'm not going to. But you're not to. going to. Um, McQuinnon, who usually writes in to Jamie about the avalanche, isn't at this point. He says, I remember speaking to one Craig Morgan during the end of the seventh round of the 2019 NHL draft. Wow. So you know who this guy is. He believed at the time in that. Vancouver? He, yeah, the latest draft, I presume. I can't interact with him. I did talk to someone at that draft, okay. yeah. He believed at the time that Chica had something up his sleeve. Six months later, Kessel and Hall are members of the Arizona Coyotes. How does this impact the Coyotes' future, and what does this mean for the Coyotes' franchise moving forward? I feel like the first part of that question had nothing to do with the second part. He just wanted to say he knew he's, Craig He just Morgan. wanted, yeah, he's like, yeah, he rubbed shoulders with Craig Morgan, which, yeah. again, I get it, but... We didn't physically rub shoulders. I don't, I don't know what you guys did in Vancouver, okay. but... Uh, <laughs> I'm um, going to let Jamie finish his thought uh, okay, before I go yeah, anywhere. Hey. Go ahead, Jamie. Um, Can you Chris, repeat the question? No. Sip of water for that me. question has been ruined. I'm using my mouth as a dry. Does the Hall and Yotes Yikes. trade mean that mm. Hayden goes back to junior? Ugh, Can't see the value of him being 14th. Um, it is interesting to figure out now it's what a happens. Good question, but it's not something they're going to answer right now because what happens if they get a couple guys injured? Yeah. yeah. And he's not 14th anymore. Then he's 12th. Um, different, Chris. Any chance we trade Hall for Ryan Kessler so we have the Kessler Keller Kessel line? No. Which uh, I like. Th- I like the attempt there, though. I do. Um, you do. Mm. I don't want Ryan Kessler for Taylor Hall. I just like the attempt at the joke there. Okay. Sorry, Chris. I'm the only one that got it. Apparently, uh, Michael. Um, okay. A lot of uh, local radio shows keep mentioning acquiring Hall, and because of that, the Coyotes being cup contenders, it seems like they're getting way ahead of themselves. Am I missing something? I also feel they are very hard on Kessel. Um, Who's hard on Kessel? I don't know. They. The collective they. They is hard. If the, and we have, a, we have this question a few times, if the Coyotes are cup contenders. I think with Hall and the goaltending... They are definitely. They're in tier two for me. They're, they're in the team that, like, I could, you know, you could squint your eyes and see them a scenario where they win the cup, but they're not going to be amongst the favorites. No, I, I, I think they could be like a conference finalist now, mm. like we talked about with the Pacific Division being the way it is. I, I could see that happening. Yeah, there's nobody in the West. I don't think they could beat in a seven game series. I'm not picking the Coyotes to go to the cup, but the teams that I think are have a much better shot at winning the cup than the Coyotes are all in the East. Yeah. That's the best way I could put it. It would be pretty cool if the Coyotes played St. Louis in the Western Conference Final and Rick Tockett and Craig Berube got together, mm-hmm. old friends. If, if I had to pick today, I would pick the Coyotes to go to the Conference Final. Yeah. Like, I do, I do think they're still better than Vegas. Not by a lot, but I think they can, I think they can beat Vegas or they can be whoever they're going to face in the first round, whether it's Calgary or Dallas or Nashville or any of those teams that end up finishing in that spot, Winnipeg. They have a hard time with Calgary they for do. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Vegas Although is not still, the last time. N- Right. Well, no, the last time they were horrible, but the time before that. Oh, the time before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. they just came home and had that awful game. Yeah, and it looked a lot like the three meetings, the first three meetings of Calgary last year. a schedule game, though. That one was a schedule game, yeah. Um, But Vegas is still... Vegas is the team that worries me the most in the West. In the entire West or just in the Pacific? In the West, because I don't think... I think a Coyotes-Colorado matchup would be extremely entertaining, I just don't think St. Louis is going back to the Cup this year. It's not to take away from them. I think they'll probably win two series. I think St. Louis is probably a Western Conference finalist, but I could see the Coyotes or Vegas making it over St. Louis or Colorado. I just, if I'm a Coyotes fan, I don't necessarily want to match up with Calgary in the first round because that's it's a brutal matchup. Well, they probably won't have to. Luckily, the way Edmonton's playing, it's true. Um, okay, I know you guys wanted to answer a version of this. Okay. Uh, I'm a Raven, Kaka. 
So is it now a viable strategy to accidentally remove an opponent's helmet and force them to leave the play or take a penalty? That was a weird one with uh, with Ilya Labushkin. Now, Rick Tockett wasn't happy about it during the game, but he got an explanation that made him understand it. And you can look, you can be penalized for purposely knocking a guy's helmet off, too. So that should be stated right here, which... I kind of think happened there. <laughs> Courtesy of Evander Kane. Yes, yeah, exactly. Elbowing his helmet off. So they, they probably should have called that. But look, it, it's about safety. I get that. But when you're in the defensive zone and you get your helmet knocked off, you're, you're telling a guy, yeah, you got to go get your helmet or get off the ice when a team's about to score. It's, mm, it's, it's kind of crazy. So this is getting more pub in Coyotes land now. This cost the Oilers a game earlier this season when Connor McDavid's helmet was knocked off. Yep. And they basically told him, you can't play defense here in overtime. Right. And he had to go. He skated to go get his helmet. And by the time he got it back on, cool. shot and scored. Um, to me, I, it's a tough one because I understand the player safety aspect of it. I understand, especially even though it's harder for you in the defensive zone, that's the zone you're most likely to take a puck to the head if you yes. don't have a helmet on. Uh, so I understand the concern there, but there's also got to be an aspect of people are going to take advantage of essentially getting a mini power play by just knocking the helmet off a little bit. Can I make a suggestion? If we're really concerned about player safety, if a player's helmet gets knocked off, blow the, whi- the, play. Blow the, blow the whistle. Yeah. The concern there is, though, that you get skaters that were that Jonathan Quickett. We'll just throw it off. Yeah, yeah. where I mean, Jonathan Quick just that. abused you the heck throw, out of that. You could call a penalty for that. In fact, you could even re- make it reviewable so you could actually watch what the guy does. Make it reviewable Yeah, and penalize him. Or if you're not really that concerned with player safety, how's the rule written now? If it, as long as you're still like engaged in the play, there's like if you're yeah, like you technically, but you can't get in back into the play. Like right. if yeah. you're still engaged in the play, you don't have to drop everything you're doing. Right. But the Why? second that you can, you have the chance to go get your helmet or go to the bench. You have to do it. That's so subjective. Why don't you just it say? Sure is. There's yes. a big gray area there. Why don't you just say the, if the puck is in your defensive zone? Because here's the thing, Jamie's right. Connor McDavid. This happened to him earlier this year, and they end up losing. Well, nobody's gonna look at Connor McDavid as a coach and say, well, you know what? Where were you on that play? You're sitting next game. If Ilya Labushkin goes over there and picks up his helmet and San Jose scores and the Coyotes lose in overtime, he might not be playing tonight. You know what I mean? I mean, Labushkin's a guy fighting for ice time. Yep. His instinct is, okay, my helmet's off, but I got to I gotta break up this play because San Jose is about to tie this game. <laughs> and, they, and then they took another penalty. Yeah. There. That was crazy at the end of that game. I can't remember a lot of six on Boy, threes. did San Jose flub a few chances, too. Yeah, they did. Because mm. they were probably looking around like, what do we do with so a six on three? <laughs> you have twice as many players on the ice as the yeah, other yeah. team. I, I don't know what to do with this rule because I understand why it's in place and the logic of it being in place makes complete sense to me. But you're going to have issues like this where you put players in a really bad position. And also, by the way, having just to skate with your head down while you're reaching down to grab your helmet isn't exactly the safest place for your head to be exposed either. Yeah, and there were still players fighting along the boards on this particular play. I mean, there's no specific way to say every play is going to be like this. That's why I think if you're going to draw a line, just simply say, until the once the puck is cleared, you got to go get your helmet. But as long as it's in the zone, if you want to risk it, or just go with what Craig's saying, helmet's off, blow the whistle. Blow the whistle and make it reviewable so you can see if guys do it on purpose. Because I think that's the most likely one, because I think they want you to get your helmet fit in the defensive zone. So yeah. then making the exception there, I think, would destroy the reason they have the rule in the first place. But Tyson Nash did make a great point on the broadcast, as, as you guys are kind of saying. Why don't you go back and look at why his helmet came off in yeah. the first place? Yeah, that should have been a penalty in and of itself. Uh, Eldon, pick one former Coyote to bring back from the past in their prime to play on this year's team. I hope someone chooses Radim Verbata, just so I can hear Craig Morgan pronounce his name the right way. Radim Verbata. See, look at that. Um, uh, well, in his prime, 
Yeah. Well, in his prime or in his prime with the Coyotes. I think there's, you go with like Brett Hall or something. <laughs> yeah. say, there's there's a yeah. line there. I mean, yeah, Marion Hosa, Chris Bronger, uh, uh, Pavel Datsuk. Pavel Datsuk put him yeah. on the top line with <laughs> Hall, Datsuk, Kessel. Does, does Who says someone no. that actually played a game <laughs> I think, with the Coyotes? Yes. Okay, well, we'll limit it to that then. Boy, it's got to be one of the two big guys, uh, Jeremy Roenick or Keith Kachuk. Yeah, right? I'm yeah. thinking Kachuk. But Keith Kachuk in his prime was a 50 goal scorer. Yeah. Jeremy Roenick, when he came up, and look, I, as much as this. Offends Valley fans. Jeremy Roenick was not the same guy when he arrived in Phoenix. He was partially damaged goods. His knee was not the same, and he was not the same player that I saw in Chicago where he was an insanely dynamic player. When he was with the Blackhawks, he was like a top five guy in the league. He was unbelievable. Just how many cups did he win with Blackhawks? Hey, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Well, I remember he got to one. I just don't yeah. remember. Okay. And if you can't get those guys, uh, Peter Pruka or Pateri Nokalainen. <laughs> Andrew Lisa. Uh, I'm going to go. Nagy. Brett Hall did play five games with the. He Coyotes, did so technically. So. Yeah, I guess I, I will go sentimentally. It would be nice to see Shane Doan on this team because I think this is the best Coyotes team they've had since maybe they've the got early plenty 90s. of middle six forwards. Yeah, I'm just I'm not saying like who's going to help them the most. Keith Kachuk's. I love Shane. I'm just I'm, but Keith. How much would Rick Tockett love to have yeah. Keith Kachuk I'm just talking in about his prime parked in the slot? Yeah, well, the one player that can help. I mean, they had Keith Kachuk. I mean, they're winning the cup. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm answering two different questions here. Sentimentally, I'd like to see Doan on this team because I think it's the best Coyotes team, potentially. Yes. Which one, who is the best all-time Coyote? Which I think is a fair question now with Taylor Hall here. And again, if Taylor Hall signs, I think he has a chance over the next few years to become the best Coyote. Who is the best Coyote of all time? I would say it's Kachuk. Just pure talent. Not, yeah. hey, I saved the franchise and made a lot of big plays. Like, Shane Doan wasn't just an ambassador. He was a good player. Well, yeah, yeah. And Ronick was that ambassador, yeah. too. Like, yeah. Unbelievable ambassador for yeah, this team. Did, but, yeah, Kachuk. Kachuk for all nights. I mean, for what they got. For what they got, Dome. yeah. Again, if, if they had had Ronick for his entire career, I, I'd probably pick Ronick. Yeah. Just because of who he was in Chicago. Oof. When he came up, man. He was so good. Uh, Temu Solani. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Also never played a game here, but. Um, Coach East Jack, if you were a Chica, what number would you have to be at to offer Hall a seven or eight year contract? What are we thinking? That's probably going to be about seven times ten. That's that's, that's what I'd imagine. What I've heard. Okay, uh, we'll see. I'm not going to pretend I feel comfortable with that, but it's also not my money. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I mean, the guy whose money it is would never notice seventy million dollars. He's got that in his wallet. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's so much that is it's the term, it's, but well, it's the cap. Yeah, that yeah. you're eating up. Yeah, it's the cap. Yeah. I, I like the idea of having Hall here long term because, like I said, I think he could be one of the best. But if you do that, this is kind of your team for a while. Well, you got to prep for the uh, what happens in five years, of course. Yeah. When Austin Matthews comes home. That's true. Yeah. We all know what's happening. Out. I mean, all, all of Toronto media knows it's happening. They have some you know guys it's leaving. Happening. Sorry. Media is plural, by the way. Not singular. I'd like to put that out there. We should open the show with that. By the way, rate and review the show, which I'd like to open the show with. Yes, review it. it at the very least, rate it. Please. No, no. Review it as well. Yes. Fine. But no, I, I believe... I will settle for just your rating. No. Review our show. <laughs> rate us, review Craig. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I imagine 7 by 70 is what it's going to... I can't... I would be shocked if he signs for less than that. Maybe there's a scenario where he signs a, a shorter term deal for more money up front, but... Which I think as... <laughs> I think that would be the Coyotes' best yes. case scenario, that you sign a five-year deal for a little bit more money. And now that you have an ownership that you can actually get a little creative with signing bonuses and you can do some things that are a little bit more. Again, you're not going to get that much creative with the cap, but you get a lot more creative with 
how you spend your cash and make yourself a little bit more valuable there for a lo- for a shorter term deal. To make that gambling thing happen, Gary Bettman. Just you Jamie. Need some revenue streams for yeah. this league. Jamie in his tracksuit doing all the hand gestures and saying, make some cash. Make some cash. Hey. Uh, Dustin Rayhorn. Hall dash a day questions. How many holiday puns or hall puns do you guys have you reached your limit? This will be our poll question for the day. (laughs) What is your favorite holiday tradition? Hmm. Putting up the tree with my family. Oh, wow. Look at that. With Andy Williams playing. All right. Happy holidays. Oh, boy. Let me just write down that exact timestamp. Okay. Um, Do you pay to have him play live in the house? I would, actually. Also, supposedly an incredible human being. So what you about didn't know that you didn't need to know that, but I put oh, it in there nice nonetheless. This time, Andy Williams. What about human being. the other Craig Morgan? Does he have any Christmas CDs out? Not really interested in his <laughs> music. No. Uh, what is the best gift you ever gave or received? Craig's gonna be like, well, my family has a great, great gift to receive every year oh, and every day. Mm. Fine. Just no, trash but, my family. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Maybe someday you'll have the miracle of children. Well, and then that will be my answer, and we'll circle back. <laughs> I can't even take care of his ducks. My ducks best are happy gift. right now. Wow. Penguins might make funny. Uh, like nothing comes to mind. Yeah, I'm sorry. But the yeah. best gift you ever gave? I'm trying to think. I I like to think of I'm a pretty good gift giver. Okay. Not to you guys. I'm the gift that keeps on giving to you guys. Okay. But so I would say that's everybody the wrong else. answer. <laughs> I didn't think there was a wrong answer to this question, but Jamie just found the wrong answer. Hmm. And best Christmas food guilty pleasure: cherry pie. Cherry pie. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like a Christmas-specific food. What? Okay. What is it? Oh, I thought you were like about to oh, say Oh, no, something. no, no. It's like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, I like the uh, I like the Christmas cookies, but like they're just sugar cookies with mm. green sprinkles on them. See, red sprinkles. my Aunt Helen made, my great Aunt Helen, who just passed away this past year, made sugar cookies that were, it's a family recipe and they're insane and I have them every year. But yeah. they have to be shaped Her like daughter Christmas daughter will be trees. bringing them. To Christmas this year, yeah, nice. Because if they're not shaped like Christmas trees, they'll taste different. Yeah, it's, Jamie's actually right there. Yeah. They had those yeah, in the that, press those box the rules. for the uh, the Cardinals game on Sunday, and I could not stop eating them. Um, Booper, this season's been crazy. This has to be the most fun you've ever had covering the Coyotes. I feel like the black cloud is finally gone. Agreed. It's been a lot of fun covering this team this year. Twenty twelve okay, was okay, still Booper. the most. Twenty twelve. I mean, to go on that playoff. Run. I agree. But um, since yeah, since twenty twelve. Yeah, TBD. And, and listen, 2012 didn't get to be a blast until late in the season the when thing. Mike Smith yeah. started playing out of his mind, and they went on that crazy run in February, and suddenly they were Pacific Division champions. And they had made the playoffs the two prior years, so it was right. kind of building, whereas this year, it's been building. I mean, that's the best part about this. If you're a Coyotes fan, you've been patient for a long time, and you're a pretty positive fan base. It was building then, but the way they lost to the Red Wings the second time was such a deflator. Mm-hmm. Especially considering all the talk about that time, where there's a legitimate thought that they might not even be back in Arizona, at least from the fans' perspective at that point. There was, it was, so it was building in a sense, but it was also, it was kind of like, oh, that might have been it. We might have blown our best chance with Shane Doan out the year prior losing in game seven. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, by a couple, I mean like 50. Uh, people <laughs> talking about the Oilers, how they're dropping off, but some people saying that as much as they don't like the Oilers, McDavid and Drysidle really need to be in the playoffs. Um, they really do. Yes. Yeah, I'd the agree league with that. Need, they need to be on display. Look, I want, I want Elias Pettersson in the playoffs too. Me too. Oof. But think about the, the, the truly great players of, let's say, the 2000s, like Ovechkin and Crosby and, and I mean, who else? Datsuk and those yeah. players. They, they were all Kane in the Caves. playoffs. Yeah. yeah. They were always in the playoffs. I mean, I guess Perry. Kane and Taves are not anymore. But, no, but they, but they got but their they run. Were. They got a run. 
you had to add that, didn't you? I, I felt, felt like, like I did, yeah, for, for what I'm about to say. But okay. Marion Hosa took a new team to the conf- or champion, or to the Stanley Cup final every year. Yeah. I mean, and Connor McDavid is going to be 23 in January. He's almost washed up. So that's, yeah, that's true. In this league, today's NHL, so. he is washed. Um, Got to get it done. But no, I mean, even even when when the criticism was landing on the Penguins for underachieving all those years, they were still in the playoffs every year. And that's the thing. We never see McDavid or Dreisaitl even in the playoffs. Also, side note, wasn't Jonathan Taves one of the top 100 players of all time and Malkin yes. wasn't? Yes. Yes. Well, we, we, we talked about that at the time. So about Malkin that not too, being huh? there. Well, I just, uh, it's because when Taves had that big game against the Coyotes, I remembered he was in the league. Do some kind of ceremony so you can let that go. <laughs> I can't. I just can't it let is, it go. But, but to back to your point, it, it just underscores how poorly managed that organization has been that you have two Both players like that and you can't get to the playoffs you can't even get in yeah it, almost any other team in that draft towards the top of that draft maybe not buffalo but if mcdavid ends up on any of those other teams you're a cup favorite every year <sighs> and yeah. instead i mean the fact that there's a legitimate chance you're gonna have another year with no eichel no mcdavid no Pedersen. Yeah, it stinks. I mean, that's that stinks. It's okay, disappointing. But but I, I like I like uh, I, I like Pedersen. But the the guys that are supposed to be generational, the Matthews, Ovechkin, Crosby, yeah. those, Kane, Taves, Malkin, all those guys are in the playoffs every year. McDavid isn't ever. Yeah, yeah. one time. Uh, Los Coyotes, Steve, would Chica be prepared to extend Soderberg even if it meant they had to move Stepan to do it? I don't think they're looking to extend Carl Soderberg at this point. I don't. I don't see any reason to do that. Um, he has been good though this year. He's been. Yeah, he's been. He's been a lot better than I anticipated. He's but. been good. And, and yeah, you have to look at. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, because I don't want to lose him in the locker room, I got to believe this is Brad Richardson's last season in Arizona. Yeah. Okay. So these these UFAs. Well, and you also have to yeah figure out what the Taylor Hall situation is because if you're spending ten million dollars a year on Taylor Hall, you're going to have to make that room somewhere else. Yeah. Like whether it's moving. Well, Barrett Hayden's going to be on this roster full time yeah. next season. So. But but even salary cap wise, like mm-hmm. I know we talked about this pre show, but. Are the Coyotes the ones now that have to try to move Marion Hosta's contract and attach an asset to it? Do you have to move Derek Stepan? Do you have to? I mean, like there are other things that come into consideration if you now have ten million dollars more a year next year, plus all the other raises. Like Clayton Keller goes up to seven million next year after being under a million this year. So there's a lot of a lot of things you're gonna have to deal with next year in, in particular. It's gonna get in theory a little easier as the years go on because you're not making these massive leaps and you're kind right. of should continue to go up. But next year is gonna be it's gonna take some work. It is, but hey, Mike Ribeiro's contract comes off the books. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> wow, finally. It, it is true. If you go to Cap Friendly, the team with the highest payroll right now is the Coyotes yeah. in the entire NHL. And even you take away Hosa, you know, the one contract that, and, and even the, the buyout money for Ribeiro, they're still up there. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> People seem to think Hosa was making $38 million a year or something, and that's why the Coyotes are spending. Like, no, they. But the UFAs next year, we, you already mentioned them. Soderberg, Taylor Hall, and Brad Richardson. Those are your UFAs. So we'll see. Um, RFA is what? Henestrosa, Fisher, and Labushkin. So uh, the team, yeah. for the most part, should look pretty similar next year, too, although you're going to lose at least one or two of those UFAs yeah, and, up front. Yeah, as Craig said, Hayton, you'd expect to be in the lineup full-time at that point. Um, another one from Los Coyotes, Steve, that I think is it's at least worth letting Craig explain quickly. Can you explain why uh, Arizona delayed putting Jalmerson on LTIR and what are the implications for our cap uh, for next year? Well, they, didn't, they didn't need to put him on LTIR until now, until they made this recent roster move. They needed a little extra cap space, so they put him on then so they could make the, the moves that they made uh, with the defensemen, etc. So it's, it's just about the immediacy. doesn't impact Chalmerson. He, he's still progressing really well, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean anything for next season. It's a paper move. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I don't think that was because, yeah, readily I, explained. I, yeah, if, I, if I'm correct, you still have to like spend. You don't just get this extra money. You have to still spend to the point where you would need the LTIR, right. and then you can use your LTIR. Right. It, it wouldn't have really mattered if they put them on earlier in the season. Right. Uh, Ozzy. So what are the odds that after exposing Flurry to Vegas for Murray, the Penguins may now be doing the same to Murray for Jari when the Seattle Emerald Totem mm. Krakens come into the league? <laughs> uh, I don't believe Matt Murray would be the goaltender that they take. Assuming they come into the league at the time frame that we all expect. Well, by the time Seattle comes into the league, Murray will be retiring anyway because it's the longest expansion ever. Um, but Jari has become their number one goalie. He should be the way he's playing. Whether it stays that way or not. but he's Murray can get hot, but... I mean, ride the hot hand right now. Jari hasn't played enough games, but his numbers in yeah. that are better than anybody. I just, I, I don't know what to predict from goaltenders long term anymore. I, he, as well as he's playing now, I don't know if he's going to do yeah. the same thing in two years. Yeah, I mean, I two get, years. There's I mean, like a handful of guys that I expect to be consistent now. I just don't understand this position anymore. I mean, two, three years ago, we thought Matt, you know, Matt Murray was going to be the star. We thought Peter Mrazek was going to be a star. I don't know if I thought that. Uh, there are people thought Peter Mrazek was going to be the, the Red Wings goalie of the future. I remember that conversation vividly. But they got to get Jimmy Howard out of there. I always had a problem with an M and an R at the start of an M. So well, they also had that. Martin Furk for a while too. Uh, like they did not. Halifax Moosehead's great, Martin Furk. Oh boy, let's get Jamie a Furk jersey for Christmas. You can Furk. go back and answer that question that it was his best gift yeah. ever. Furk vowels. Um, Christina, how tall is Garland? Because that five ten nonsense is a lie. How does it feel to wake up and know that Taylor Hall is a coyote? And is chili a stew or its own category? I think it's a stew. Five eight. Uh, he's not five ten. No, no, he's not. Pretty um, cool to be covering a team in this situation. It's as I've mentioned, you know, you don't root for a team, but it's much easier to cover a team that is having success than one that isn't because they're more talkative. Yeah. Well, and it's also just, I mean, it's it's imagine going to your workplace and everybody's happy there, or everybody there's like the buzz wherever your office or whatever. And with chili, it depends on what's in it, right? It can become a stew if you add things to it, but if it's just beans and cheese, yeah, I'm not chili I'm fan. Not sure, it's a, oh, I love chili. If it's a good chili, I love chili. How do you feel about chili on pasta? Chili on pasta? No. That was brought up to me at dinner in the media room the other night. Mm. What's the place in Cincinnati that, that puts chili on everything? I don't know. Okay. Don't, don't go to Cincinnati much. They don't have an NHL team. <laughs> um, do we want to do any more or do we want to wrap it up here? That's one last question. Because Jamie's like exiting the, the uh, studio already. What's the last question? Uh, but there's a lot of questions here. I got. I'm just. We you apologize. Want to, you want me to randomly we pick apologize. one? Jamie has offered to answer the rest of the questions online at some point soon. Uh, Kevin's is good. When are the Coyotes ever <laughs> submit your make... qu- submit the rest of your questions to uh, Craig at the Athletic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got a Q and A coming up. Uh, okay. There you go, Cam. We'll wrap up with this one. Sorry, there were a lot of good questions we just couldn't get to. There's a lot of questions here that we're not getting to. Uh, Cam, is this the best team the Coyotes have ever iced in franchise history? TBD. TBD, but it's for the first time in a while, it's in the running. Yeah. Who, who are the best teams? Uh, you have to go back to those early teams. Yeah. When they first played at America West Arena, first couple seasons, they were they had very good teams. Which is tough because that was a whole different era. Yeah, huh? in 2011-12, I mean, they went to the Western Conference Finals, the only team that's won a playoff series in this city. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the, the 9-10 team, too, although they weren't, I wouldn't say they were as talented or as deep, that there was just something about that group. There was a lot of chemistry, and if... If don't get doesn't get hurt, that team might be moving on. Hundred seven points, and, and when you still franchise record, when you think about that, Dave Tippett came in as coach a couple days before the season. Remember, yep. Olf Samuelson was running yep. training camp, and they had just gone into bankruptcy that yep. that previous summer. Like that is an incredible story, a miraculous team. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, 
we will. Uh, I'm sorry if we didn't get to your questions, but uh, everybody just be excited about the Taylor Hall thing and enjoy it. And here we go. All right, for Jamie Eisner, who couldn't stay till the end of the show, and I don't, you know, nothing really surprises me with him anymore. Uh, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. This is Jamie's final word. <laughs> it's better than anything he ever said. <laughs>